Hi, I'm Holiday Kirk, and thank you for listening to the New Metal Agenda podcast. If you want to help further expand the New Metal Agenda, check us out on patreon.com slash newmetal underscore agenda. Membership perks include ad-free episodes, Patreon-exclusive podcasts, the ability to submit questions for guests ahead of time, free merch, and more. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Good evening from Los Angeles, ladies, gentlemen, people who don't give a fuck. I am Holiday Kirk with the New Metal Agenda, welcoming my co-hosts, Grandfather. Hey, everybody. Riviera. Hey. Is this our last episode of the year? Uh, Yeah. Oof, going out with a weak one. And we would love to welcome our guests, (laughs) Brian and Zach. Brian and Zach. Brian and Zach, why don't you introduce yourselves to the people? Uh, sure, I'll go first. My name is Brian, and uh, I I also have a podcast. It's called Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, where we talk about rock history. But I started a fun little project with my buddy Zach five years ago uh, that you're going to hear all about. Yeah, and I'm Zach. Um, I don't listen to Brian's podcast, but um, he doesn't. That's true. I, I do text him ideas. <laughs> I don't listen to this time. podcast, so it's all good. It's, it's all good. <laughs> no judgments here. Uh, it's cause I can't read through my ears. Um, no, I, I am a lifelong musician, uh, wannabe musician, probably more accurately. And, uh, was in a bunch of original bands kind of around the rock metal emo genres, uh, most of my formative years and have in the last couple of years started doing cover shows, uh, with Brian and some other folks and, uh, two of those shows. Uh, Louisville loves emo and Louisville loves new metal are uh, the ones I'm focused on now. They're super fun, and uh, we got to do one of those shows with uh, with your help uh, very it's recently. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. Kicked ass! It was so awesome. Zach hooked it up, got me out there. We kind of went back and forth for a little bit as to like, can we afford this? Can we make it happen? I hit him with the I hit him with my fee, my fee. You know, because I was initially it was like I wouldn't mind getting paid for this. And Zach was like, I'm not paying you that. And I was like, oh, all right, well, maybe next time. And then I don't know. I just ended up coming back around you and being like, I just want to do it. Can you can we break even? Can we just get to zero? And Zach's like, we can do that. And I feel like most of the time when I put that to people, I end up regretting it. But this time was not that time. Flew, went down there to Louisville, which has one of the shittiest downtowns I've ever seen. Also, okay, one, that's America. not true. It's because he went to 4th Street Live, which sucks. Um, I went I where I was. that you <laughs> let him spend like spend the weekend there and leave still saying Louisville. That Louisville. was very funny to me. Louisville. Listen, it's a fight we know we can win. So at a certain point, yeah, we just we give up. When we know somebody's going to be there for three days, it's like, why why make them do that? It takes a good six months. How is it pronounced? You just have to act like there's people in your mouth. L-O-L-V-I-L-L-E. You got to slur through it. Yeah. So my hot hot take... Go ahead. Uh, I call it I call it Louisville, even though I live there my entire adult life, and everyone gives me shit for it. So <laughs> stand your well, ground. Stand your ground. stand your ground, young man. What was it's that? It's not named after King Lul. Hey, <laughs> what was what was that venue called? <laughs> Headliners. Music Headliners, hall. and it's seven hundred fifty cap, right? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Great. A week from today, I also have to fill a seven hundred fifty cap venue, and I am I am terrified right now because I do not have the re- that would be a huge that would be triple the the most i've ever done do you so, need our help is that what you're saying you want us to come out there that's what this podcast actually is it's me just Secretly, ambushing you. actually uh, i just want your money 
So if you want to invest and I could, yeah. you know, I think, you know what you could do? Oh, I know you've thought I of this. I can't wait for this. I know pitch. you've thought of this. Rev, I know you've thought of this. You've thought about franchising out the Love's emo yeah. brand, sure, of course, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Los Angeles loves new metal. I'll do that. I'll do that. And you give What's me. What's our percentage here? What do we give talking? me $13,000. <laughs> I, it's a reverse listen. franchise. I like that. It's a reverse franchise. Yeah, it's the other way around. We I give you a franchise guys. fee, and then we also give you a percentage of the royalties, and then we do all the work. I like that. Hey, I'm doing the work, man. I'm doing the work. I got all these. <laughs> I got all these. Were you the one that was telling me to go print out, to go paste, glue them to walls and stuff? That was you, right? Uh, I didn't say to glue them to walls. I did say if you hand someone a physical flyer in 2023, it's a pattern interrupt that they're not used to unlike 2003. Yeah. So it's surprisingly effective in a way that it wasn't 20 years ago because everyone was doing it. So as soon as people stop doing something, that's when it starts working again. So but it's yeah, no, people love a physical now. object. Yeah. Plus that is in your house and you feel weird getting rid of it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and we're far away from those days where this was the way you got people to shows. So if you remember like the sunset strip days, like the eighties, they would literally have, those guys like in Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi and those bands, they would have wars where they would just go out and time when they would paper down up and down the Sunset Strip and try to paper over each other. So it just became like massive amounts of wasted trees just up and down that strip. Um, and now the next event you guys are throwing is Louis, Louis Loves Emo, right? Yes. So that's we a, just that's threw... unfortunate. That's a shame. That's a shame. How many new metal songs do you fold into the emo events? Which uh, you're you're yeah. going to love this. You're going to love this, actually. I'm glad you asked. Uh, yeah, so we just did the fifth uh, Louisville Loves Emo show in Louisville two weeks ago. And we're going to do our sixth show, which is going to be essentially the same show that we just did in Louisville, but in Covington, which is basically a suburb of Cincinnati. Um, so we're going to do that in a couple weeks. So it'll be the first time we've done the show outside of Louisville. So it's kind of a, a risk. So you're talking about being nervous of filling your 750 cap. We've got a 300 cap venue in a different city that we're, we're also a little bit like, hope people actually come. So should be fun. Why would I love that? I don't understand why I'd love that. Oh, I thought oh, there was going to be something solid, better. You didn't coming. finish the thought. Right. You didn't finish oh, the no. Thought. You'll, 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 the you'll love the new metal tie-in. Oh, sorry. Yeah. There we go. What was, yeah. And what is the new metal tie-in? So, Ohio. Oh, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Iowa. All the songs are from Iowa. That's the nice. That's the time. <laughs> now, um, we had a band uh, that's played this this fifth show, and we'll obviously play the sixth one with us as well. Um, they're a younger group called Requiem. They're an original band, and they do some covers. And so they they reached out to apply to play the show. And in their list of one of the questions we asked, like, what songs would you like to cover? And they kind of had some, you know, quintessential emo bands like My Chemical Romance. They had some kind of more adjacent stuff like Green Day, kind of pop punk. And then one of their submission videos was for a song called Bat Country by Avenged Sevenfold. And it's not really emo. It's not really new metal, but like in the no, spectrum, it's, it's, like, it's more yeah. new metal than emo for sure. Um, it's definitely just metal, right? It's just like straight up like hair metal, just you know, 30 years later. And um, they submitted that video and anyone who has the audacity to try to cover that song live, I was like, these these guys are awesome. Like we have to let them on the show. And but we weren't gonna have them play it. And then we were like doing the whole set list thing that we do, which we can talk about more later. And at some point I was like, dude, fuck it. We should just have them do backcountry. And everyone listened and they're like, Oh yeah, that's gonna be great. And I was like, watch them do the dual solo. 
and that will sell you on it. And it, it, it does. It was such a moment at the show. Like their two lead guitarists ripping a harmonized, like 10 minute guitar solo. It was just yeah. as cool, as cool as the thing can be. So what the yeah. hell does that have to do with new metal? This. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to wind all that back and you're going to, I think announce... of sevenfold is way more new metal than you are emo, going to announce. loves new They're metal not, show is going to be on January 13th at headline. <laughs> Let me give you the new metal tie in. And holiday, Kirk, check your phone right now. Open You've been for five thousand dollars to for all services rendered. <laughs> we we um, listen. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. We got to probably we, shouldn't. Anyway, today we are here to actually <laughs> talk about new metal, not emo, and we are here to talk about something very specific. This is a topic selected by Zach here. Zach, you want to introduce the the album at hand? Yeah, it's um, what album was Backcountry on? Oh my God! City of Evil, City of Evil by Avenged Seven. Oh yeah, City everybody. of Evil. That's right. No, I'm just kidding. I like how uh, begrudgingly he told you what the title of the album was. He knew it. He just like didn't he, want to admit it. Well, I had like to he say it if know. I knew it. Uh, Three dollar bill, y'all. By Limp Biscuit. Anyone think yeah. this is their best album? No. I can hear. I'd hear it. I'd hear a case. I don't think I like this one more than I like Significant Other. <laughs> I think it's, this is the wrong choice, but it is how I feel. It's raw. It's direct. It's straight to the point. I don't think there's any bad songs on here. You know, they're just hungry. It's vicious. It's Ross Robinson doing his thing, and it's it's yep. an interesting collision too. It's an interesting like interesting selection for Limp uh, for Ross Robinson because I don't think Ross had ever worked with anyone this ambitious before. Because this is like the beginning of businessman Fred Durst getting out there and getting smart and doing everything he can to uh to break out in fact uh corn was wanted to discovered this band uh he yep. fred durst gave fieldy a tattoo and like slid them a demo at the same time and if i remember correctly the tattoo was horrible because fred durst did not know how to get yeah, tattoos. I was gonna say, wasn't it kind he of just shady? used that as an excuse to give fieldy their demo which is which no, it's Fieldy. I'm, I'm looking at a part of it right now. Uh, but but that's a that's a really ballsy way to like get into get in with a band is to give the bassist a really bad tattoo. Yeah, that's wild. Like standing back, you're looking at it and you're like, wow, that does not look like Betty Boop at all. Anyway, here's this cassette tape. If you could just pass this along to somebody, <laughs> that would be awesome. But how come when I pitched that to you as marketing advice, you said it was a horrible idea? Tattoos. I was like, you should just go around and start giving, you know, alleyway tattoos to potential attendees of your event and then be like, it's oh, different... by the way, I don't know if flyer. they have that out there in Louisville, along with an, a deserted uh, downtown that looks like a Counter-Strike it's map before fine. anyone do it. Downtown is fine. There's nothing there. I, I lived walked there. Four blocks to get to a burger place. And I walked in there and they're like, oh, Are yeah, you sure well, there, you're the right. You're in the right no town. There's no food. That's true. There's, there's no like, food. There's a white castle. And then there used to be like a 24 hour gentrified taco place that was pretty good. Uh, but now I think it is only open at normal hours. We finished. So I finished yeah. the party. Bars. Went to the after party. The after party was cool. Came back to my neighborhood. I'm like, I'll find something to eat. There was oh, no. nothing. No, you won't. There was nothing. I stood in line in the drive-thru of the one White Castle, the White Castle that time forgot for, for a minute and a half yep. before they, and this is the stupidest <laughs> fucking thing I've ever done. 
just went back to the room. That's a that's a rite of passage, though. Standing really, physically in the drive-through of that White Castle, you're more really Louisville is. than most people who live there. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't understand why your downtown is ass, and I don't understand why all your streets are eight lanes wide. Every every block in there is like a, it's like a, you guys have just nothing but highways and byways in Louisville. I mean, I was right like there. LA's Me and Zach were riding bit. to the venue, and he just swerving across. <laughs> There's no one there. There's no lines, just anarchy. Anarchy. <laughs> that is my driving skill. You 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 did just nail that. That's exactly yeah, how that's it. that was the vibe. It was interesting. Um but the free bourbon. Dude, the free bourbon is what that's it true. does. <laughs> so I love this. I think this album is really good. I think pollution is one of their best songs ever. Um, for better or for worse. Does this kick off the 80s gimmick cover trend? Is this the first faith? Is this so the first one? This is this is one of two that they were doing in Jacksonville way before this. So when they the way they start drawing people to their shows in Jacksonville is people start hearing about a batshit cover they do of Faith and the batshit cover they do of Straight Up by Paul Abdul. Oh, really? I gotta look at a video that of that one. Sense. Yeah. So that becomes it's interesting though because I feel like the thing with Limbiscuit at this period. I mean, Limbiscuit builds their career basically on on contradictions, right? Like if there's a single word that you define Limbiscuit with, it's this idea that everything they do, they they go back and contradict. So they're they're going to bring hip hop and metal together. That's a little bit of a contradiction. It had started to happen at the you know in the beginning of the '90s, but they really are hardcore about it. Then they they're like misogynistic, but then it it is Ross Robinson's girlfriend that's like into them. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but Ross Robinson wants to pass. Fieldy gives him it, and he's like, why the hell did you give this guy my phone number? Because Fred Durst actually calls Ross Robinson because he gets the, and he sends him the tape. And he says, like, this is terrible. Why would, why, and she hears it and is like really into it. And so he goes back and listens to it again because that's what you do when your girlfriend's like, no, but really it's good. And that's how he ends up doing it. So just lots of like contradictions, which they have carried on. You know, now it's like, are they a good live band or are they a terrible live band? It depends on the day. You yeah. never really I mean, do they have bad also... shows. I've never I've never heard of them having bad shows. Like I've had a oh, lot of people. Oh, you didn't tell see me... them at Louder Than Life? No. And Lil and Lizzie I don't think I have heard that. I have heard people say they're bad live, but then they're like making a weird dig about Woodstock '99. But I also think I just I just want to push back on you a little bit, Brian. I feel like. Not to excuse the misogyny, but I, f- I feel like there's a little bit of work that needs to be done in the like, girls couldn't like Limp Biscuit narrative. I feel like that's a, that's something that gets put on. Like, girls like you're like saying that girls music. shouldn't like Limp Biscuit or good? No, I'm like saying that girls do. Like girls actively do. Girls love Limp Biscuit. Did. I think. Oh girls... yeah, no, no, no. I'm and not I, saying they don't. No, I'm know, saying that's part I, of the irony of the whole thing. Yeah, but I think it's. I guess just to say that, like, I sometimes find it frustrating when it's like the in, there is so much like weight given to the novelty of women liking Limp Biscuit, and it's like, nah, dude, it's just fun. Is there a novelty? I don't know if there's a novelty. They had a huge female fan base, pretty much from the jump. So the way, the other way that these guys people write weird things about it's it's like the weird. the academic the academic acad- I don't Think know what pieces. Word. The thing, yes, thank you. The think pieces, the think pieces about Limp the Biscuit. last thing I want to do is read a piece, let alone think. 
The other See, way that I these guys made a made their breakout maneuver was them. that they had done their tour for this album, right? It was called Ladies Night in Cambodia. Whole gimmick, women get in for free. Brilliant. It's like, why don't I don't know why more bands don't do that? And then like that was, I think, a part of that initial appeal to female kind. Fred Durst kind of a, was kind of a sex symbol then. He's kind of a sex symbol now. People find Fred Durst very attractive. It's true. Hopefully they do. It's absolutely true. Riv just Riv just pushed her hair out of her face. No, everyone, by the way. Not, you, I need everyone okay. to hear this. I said, I said, ladies find Fred Durst attractive. And she goes, they do. <laughs> Jeez. You did do that. You can't say you that. didn't do that. It, they were unconnected. Um, oh, good save, good save. <laughs> but I also think, like, to me, the thing that's cute about Fred Durst is that he always sounds like he's about to cry. Right. Um, and he's, like, short. I don't know. It's a black game, bitch. Exactly. You're that's trying to dispel the... all of the myths about what women do and don't like in their rock stars, right? You you like short guys and you like guys that cry like this. You're okay, breaking I don't, all the stereotypes. I will say I don't particularly like go for short guys, but I think it is like cute that Fred Durst specifically is five seven. Well, it would explain a lot about the antagonism, right? Because that's the other thing. Sure does. Are... Well, because it's at West like six four. Yeah, their their plan is always to be to antagonize people. There's a quote from you know, the late nineties, early two thousands, where they basically Wes says the best way to get our message across was through shock value. We, you know, everything that we did was like, like, you know, because this album back to this album is a great record. It doesn't sound that different than a lot of other things that are starting to happen around that time when they, they develop their sound like on significant other a little bit more. What gets them from point A to point B is just, you know, causing shit with people all the time. Well, I think they really understood that being a band was a like an act of theater. Like they came out for with sure. a plan and a performance and they knew like who and what they were playing while they were doing it, even as much as they're developing. It's definitely like, faster yeah. than anything else. Then like it's faster than uh, like Deftones or Corn were being sure. around that time. If it reminds sure. me of anything in that regard, it reminds me of Snot's album, Get Some, which was also a new metal release from 1997 that was doing a sort of a more hardcore punkish type deal. Uh, I think though, of all the bands of like the biggest new metal bands that were added at this point, corn, limp biscuit, Deftones, these guys were the ones that were most overtly concerned with hip hop because Jonathan didn't really rap. Chino rapped a little, but not really. Whereas Fred was very much concerned with rapping. And I'm going to say this too. He, he was better at it than people give him credit he's, for. He's so, That's listening true. again to this record, he's so much better at it than people give you him know, credit. And he, he is because he's got a style to it. Like mm -hmm. he's not, he goes, he can't bar up. I don't see him winning Scribble Jam Rap Olympics anytime soon, but he's he's got his style to it. And that's, that's all that fucking, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. I, really I feel matters. like, I feel like the tying those two points together, I think the thing that Limp Biscuit did that was interesting was they actually stole their persona from hip hop, not just their sound, right? Because like rock star confidence, even in the extravagance of the eighties and all that stuff, it's still always the like nonchalance, like mystery confidence where it's like, yeah, I'm sexy. I'm cool. Like I have a cool car, but like you want to find out, come to my house. Right. It's not like, fuck you, get the fuck out of my face. I'll fucking kill you, which is like hip hop confidence. Like hip hop confidence is like aggression, whereas rock stars is like, you know, the mystery man kind of thing. And they were the aggressive, like 
they weren't like the mysterious rock stars. They're like, yeah, we're getting be like beefing, for example, is like a very hip hop marketing strategy. Like if two rappers are wanting to become relevant again, they just beef with each other. Like they'll like text each other as friends and be like, yo, <laughs> you want to like see whose album can sell more records? Let's like beef on Twitter. Like that's been part of that genre forever. And that wasn't really, I mean, there's rock, there's been rock beef, but that's not really like quintessential to the genre. Like, fans would beef more than bands like the stones and the Beatles weren't like enemies, right? Like they just, their fan bases were like weird yeah. about that. Right. Like, but they were friends. Like they, you know, Paul McCartney's probably still friends with like the guys from the set. Right. So, but like rap is very much like I'm the best and bec you have to be worse than me. Right. It's very really think competitive. Paul McCartney very is aggressive. friends with the people in the Rolling Stones. I bet they're, I bet he's not. Probably. Why wouldn't you be? Oh, I bet. I mean, I bet they send each other holiday cards. Really? Yeah. All right, yeah, you're you're well, British, like what you do, multimillionaire that makes music for. There's like 18 of you. Like, surely they're friends, right? How could you not be? I'm sure they're at least in know. touch. The well, Rolling Stones like, have names, you guys. Speaking of the Rolling sure, Stones, I'll believe you. Speaking of the Rolling Stones, does anyone know what the first rock band to have a full time DJ was? Like, who was that? I just looked up 311 cool in the gang, but I don't know if 311 had a <laughs> DJ. I don't, I, in my brain, my brain placed a, a turntable list in 311, and now I'm thinking they never had a DJ, did Incubus? they? Incubus? Uh, I don't think Incubus was around. Because there's, there's no way. Uh, there's no way. The guy who rapped was the turntablist in 311. Or is. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. you know what? I just saw He'd them live by accident, and uh, and it's true. I know. It was traumatizing for me and everyone else in that crowd, I'm sure. And you know what? I do remember watching that bald-headed bastard do a little DJing while he was up there. S.A. Martinez, yeah. Well, not, you know, I guess he was their DJ. Oh, he's listening with turntables. Yeah, that's right. Talking about their DJ, this is another thing that there's a lot of things that I think people forget about Limp Bizkit, but I think they forget that DJ Lethal was in House of Pain. Like, that's a legit yeah. DJ. I'm if you're gonna bring a sure DJ how... into your band, bring a real DJ. You know, and yeah. it's like. It's oh, well, I mean, that's I'm from I mean, back then, so that was a little more prevalent. That was I'm the ultimate baby, thing. That so was, I don't know anything. That was Fred Durst's <laughs> ultimate stroke of genius was to like size up his his shortcomings. And it's like, I'm just going to recruit the best band I can and put together I mean, just the best fucking band in the world behind him. This sort of comes back to what Zach's saying. I think that's a really smart point is that they, he did approach it from a hip hop angle in terms of the image, which a lot of people had not quite jumped into yet but the other thing about this band that i think people forget because now there's like you know there's contingencies of people who, who are not a fan of fred durst or his attitude or the, the way the band has been portrayed is that other musicians like when this record is is being formulated and made with ross robinson other musicians are into this band like very respected musicians obviously the guys in corner into this band but and ross makes them happen but faith no more primus helmet all take them on tour like before this is really even off the ground and and so they're they have the backing and the cred from other bands, but they're still pushing the antagonism and that hip hop attitude to try to sort of get people to to pay attention to them outside of just being an opening act. I'm pretty yeah, sure Fred I mean, Durst is the best networker in rock exactly. history. And this is this is the thing that always gets me about like the think pieces that I feel like people always I miss when they're like, "How did this happen?" Again. Because I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking. Um, is that like? And they have one on Significant Other too, but like Indigo Flow is so funny to me. 
and it's not even it's not even bad but I just think it rules that friend nurse is like yeah I know everybody and thinking about like how it's probably pretty cool to be shouted out on on a Limp Bizkit album in 1999. Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's the glad the handing right there. That's the glad handing right there. It's, like, it's like, you know, well, yeah, and that's a very like, that's oh, a very oh, hip hop thing to do, right? Like mm-hmm. rock yeah, music, you, you don't you mention don't real dues. people in rock songs, right? You, you rarely, unless it's like a per- person that's famous that died, like you don't, you're not like, yo, this song's for Brian. Well, no, 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 no. Like, that's not a thing. No, but that like is rap not songs, a thing. Definitely not yeah. that specific. <laughs> I can you're think of one specific example. And it's, it's a diss track from Use Your Illusion 2 called Get in the Rain. But other than that. Terrible song. Terrible song. Terrible albums. Right. Use Your Illusion. But, that, but that's like a. Suck. You're out you here. see what I'm saying? Like, Are you, do you like those albums? Love them better than appetite. I didn't say that. There's something happening here that I just don't understand. <laughs> it's fine. No, I think it was pretty straightforward, but I have low. Um, and you know what though? But that does remind me we were talking about band beef and bands having beef. What about Faith No More versus Guns and Roses? Or Faith No More versus the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Faith No More had a lot of beef. Faith Faith No More had a lot of beef with a lot Faith of no more was out there. Faith No More was in the ring. And better and better than both of those fucking bands. Just saying. Oh, they didn't really get along with Limp Bizkit when they took them on tour. I mean, there's they famous like, Borland has talked about how they, they all got out there and were like, oh, these guys were sort of our heroes. And now we're not really sure we even want to hang out with them. But one of the awkward things is that, you know, given the time period, I think they're getting booed at some point on this tour. And he starts, Durst starts yelling the other F word at the crowd. And, ah. and you know, Faith no more. The guys get a little not happy about that, given that one of their members is is openly gay, and uh, so it, it creates some beef there. That you know, early on in their career, there, there's always beef. Like that's the thing with these guys, and they do it on purpose. It's it's brilliant looking back, but you just have to be able to not care. Now, is it was it brilliant or was it spur of the moment instinctual? You there's there's a lot of retconning going on. Here. Well, I think that Fred Durst rolled with it. A lot like I think Fred was always good at like sizing up the situation. I don't think he necessarily meant to get himself in those situations. Like, I don't think he was like, I'm gonna go out there and throw a homo homosexual epitaph at this audience. It's going to start up a beef. I could parlay it into more fame. I think he just put himself in a situation and played it how he laid how it laid, you know? Yeah, I, I would say good. there's layers of it. I think some of it's intentional. Some of it's not. I don't think that particular instance is intentional, but I think they lived to your point. Kirk, like they lived with this recklessness where it was like, well, this shit's going to happen and we're going to use it as fuel and not as something that's going to stop us. Right. That's yeah. What I well, mean. I mean, it's it's recklessness, but it's also like he, he he knew that he had the ability to handle these situations. Like right. Like if you yeah. know you have really good comedic timing, you're going to say shit and know that you can just roll through it. And sometimes you get yourself way into hot water. But like. You're in that you're in that mode. So, and or, I don't think that's retconning. I think that's just like that's also not good comedic yeah, timing. Just yelling F slurs. Well, that particular yeah. moment. <laughs> I think right, she's no, talking that was that, that, That's very Michael Thank Richards sure. timing. Yeah. To, to be clear, I'm, I'm not. Also, I'm not accusing. in 1999. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not accusing Fred Durst of playing like four dimensional chess. I think what I'm saying is like he looked at the rock landscape and went. I identify with the hip hop persona of 
fuck you if you're i'll kill you if you're with me or against me like you know what i mean like and just that was his default stance so like if you're doing something that is or isn't funny and someone has a problem with it if your default stance is oh i should be cool and chill and like apologize then that's how you're going to handle it and if it's like ah oh, i have beef with that person now like if that's your default stance like it's not like he's like oh this one specific instance will lead to a specific you know hit song 20 years from now like i don't think it's like trump right like people are like is he a criminal mastermind genius or whatever i'm like i just think he believes his own bullshit so much that it works like he just he's so consistently that persona that whether or not it's a good decision like on a micro level on a macro level it's working out for him like right like and i think it's the same thing with fred Durst. i think he's just like i'm just gonna choose to be a fuck you i don't give a fuck asshole and you know and that's how he portrays himself yeah. the man gives so many fucks the man gives an outrageous amount of fucks right that's, that's what i'm saying yeah that's the key. i'm saying he's know. choosing like i'm going to be i'm going to be this persona of a fuck you, I don't give a fuck asshole. And I'm going to be consistently this persona, right? Because it's when you start being inconsistent that like people see through your bullshit, right? Like that's why, you know, like for all his faults, like Marilyn Manson was the same way. He's like, I'm, if I'm ever given a choice between doing the right thing and the wrong thing, I'm going to choose the wrong thing. Boy, right? ain't that like, the truth. I'm glad Fred yeah, made right? the was his, correct like, version of persona. that decision a couple times. I am pretty sure that Faith was the first new metal 80s gimmick cover, right? Am I stupid? Am I wrong? Can we think of anything else? And I will tell you what, for a minute there, for a hot second there, the 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 word on the street was that Limp Bizkit were going to be a one-hit wonder with this song. This was going to be like yeah. their, their one hit was this cover of Faith that they did, which, I mean, I could see it. I could see how that would happen. It's like a really good gimmick cover. It's really done to scare the old folks. Although, how old were these folks? Faith was like, what, nine years old at this point? Like, not even that old of a song. Now, what is yeah. that? 80, it's come out 87. So, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, 10 years. 10 years old. It's like a 10-year-old song. Which is crazy right. because I guess now to us, we think about that as being an older song, right? But, like, you, yeah, that would be like something from 2013 being covered right now. And us being like, oh, look, that's funny. It's a metal cover of... A Jason Mraz song, or which what? is funny because people do that and it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, very nobody much do that. Buried, it's lost. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. the That's... worst fucking thing ever. They don't wait ten years though; they do it right away, and it's the well, worst. That's, most... a, that's a gimmick. That's can't a wait! Gimmick. Can't wait for the Sleep Token cover of "Call Me Maybe," putting that out into the. Universe. This is, I mean, this is a gimmick. An eighties pop, the eighties pop gimmick cover. It's our, it's one of our most storied institutions as new metal as a genre. As all of our bands did eighties pop gimmick covers. It's just. It's a part of the deal, part of the bag. I got to hear their straight up cover. I wonder why that didn't make it on the record. That was probably shot down really hard by Ross Robinson because he didn't even want to do Faith. So I'm sure it was like, we're going to do this Paul Abdul song. He's like, the fuck you are. That's not happening. It was 11 years. It was released 11 years later. Oh, it was. No, it was kind of. It was kind so of. So 87 to 98 was the, the time gap. Yeah, because school. Faith is the third well, single. They, they worked out. two other singles. Yeah, it comes out in July of 97, but they don't release it as a single until 98 okay. because they tried yeah, to do yeah. two singles before it. Yeah, True. that makes sense. Were any, wait, Cran, as our resident uh, aged person, you were there when this came out, right? Were you into the band at all? Oh, Jesus God, no. So <laughs> very much no. no I was, I was in the heavier cool. stuff. No, it's not that I decided, no. Well, and that's the thing. The, absol the absolute worst tech. people alive at my high school were super into this. 
And I think part of the reason that Faith took off as a cover is because they thought the the irony of doing a metal version of a gay guy song. Here's the thing, though. It bangs. So it doesn't bang. What are you gonna okay, do? I'm always saying this. I think new metal has aged exceptionally well as we've now, you know, lived in this this uh, era of rock music being an apology for itself, like modern popular rock music just being such an apology for itself for so long. To have like music like new metal and stuff being all brash and arrogant, it just sounds really good. However, I'm very empathetic toward people that were listening to it while it was on the radio at the time because I could see how this, especially a song like this, like this cover of Faith, how you'd hear this come on the radio or on MTV for like the third, fourth, five, fifth time in one day and just being like, oh my God, not this fucking song. Oh my God. Right? Well, like you can so do this. You can put yourself in that mindset where you're just like, Nookie oh was God. significantly worse. I'll say that. I believe 100%. you. Can you imagine being being a wedding DJ in like 1999? You were playing this? What? Okay, maybe that, maybe you, that you, wasn't you, a thing was, yet when people they would were doing... fire your ass on the spot for playing the Limp Bizkit <laughs> cover of Faith by George Michael. Surely there were people who were getting married who did the same annoying bits that people who get married today do. I'm pretty sure no. the rock the quirky okay. rock and roll DJ well, was more of a new because you couldn't you had to bring records you know to the to the okay. hall you had to bring you're records. Right. You're right. Pack my in the in the, in the 90s in the 90s you had to pretend to like the same things your parents liked at weddings. I'm trying to think of because they were paying was, for it. I'm trying to think if Zach was of age to have been around for this, but Zach looks like he's 36 and also 21 at the same time. Like it depends on which way his head is turned. And I'm like, oh, he would have been no, he wouldn't have been around at all. See, <laughs> see, it's it's impossible. Well, so let me let me let me recenter the conversation a little bit here. So, do you want to know why I picked this album? Oh, he's doing the Zoom meeting thing on me. Okay, so uh, at, as, a, as as a as a 38 year old. Uh, damn! Right. Damn! Okay. Looking as a thirty-eight-year-old, yeah, brother. Damn. Uh, you should see my grandparents. They look, you know, they still look great. And they're what are you going to do when you turn forty? Uh, probably throw over? a new metal show in in California and invite yes. you out. He did that. He's so uh, sarcastic. He's like, "Don't you fucking interrupt me again!" Was the way that that came out. Sorry. No, I, I, Sorry, I, I, th- I think this is like a relevant point. <laughs> to this whole larger conversation and, and why you asked me to pick a topic and this is why I picked this topic. So, and it, Cran was actually the one who, uh, spurred this memory. So if I had heard about faith from going to high school, uh, with a bunch of douchebags, I probably wouldn't have had the same emotional connection to it. Right. Like I, I've, I've had that experience with other songs and, and like, I didn't like them. Like I didn't like, uh, something corporate, ironically, Brian, and I love something corporate. I didn't like them for a long time because I associated them with like annoying people I went to high school with. And then I found out years later, I'd been listening to them like on accident in my car this whole time. So, but faith was on a unmarked cassette tape that my guitar player, the the kid who taught me how to play guitar in middle school, a fellow middle schooler, his sister's boyfriend's unmarked cassette tape that he like left in the car or something. Me and my friends were put that cassette tape in and there was, uh, what we would later find out because it's an unmarked cassette tape were corn, Limp Biscuit, and a bunch of bands like that. Like I think uh, White Zombie was on there too. And we would just mosh in his bedroom, like three or four middle schoolers to this shit that we had never heard. And we'd been listening to like Bush and, and like Less Than Jake and Real Big Fish. So like Rock and Ska. And this was so like for me, I didn't even know the George Michael song, right? I mean, I, I probably did because I listened to music a lot as a kid, but like 
I was like, oh, a gay 80s man. How ironic. I was like, this song fucking slaps. There's a scratch DJ solo. Like, what? what is this, right? And then, you know, three years later, it's on TRL. And at that point, I've already like listened to the whole album. You know what I mean? Like, wait, three years so I, later? It was a, pre- I mean, it maybe it was three weeks because I'm a middle schooler, but it felt like <laughs> I was listening to that way before so it was real? on TV. Is the Bro whole had point. the demo? He had the Fred. <laughs> maybe he had the demo. I don't demo. know. He sent it to yeah, two exactly. people: Ross Robinson and Zach Pennington. That's where he. He might it. have tattooed. For all I know, my friend's sister's boyfriend was Ross Robinson. Like, let's let's be real. We, have, <laughs> we we did an entire episode. We did an entire episode on the song "All in the Family," which features Limp Bizkit and Corn, uh, and it was mostly younger people i mean that was who was on that meeting but cran couldn't make it but cran wanted like needed to get his two cents in because it was me uh it was a friend of ours jay and it was riviera that was doing the the um i was being very normal family episode episode, and we were like (laughs) we were like oh you know what it's actually a lot more forward thinking than you think it was and it's it's got some interesting points to it the sexual dynamic sexual tension and whatnot and then uh don't jump in you, I, you're just sitting there you're like i can't I wait to fucking jump in and just cut him off but it was like but grandfather was like left a message in the discord he's like i just want to say i was there all of the most homophobic and hateful pieces of shit from my high school loved these bands, loved that song. So he's like, I just want to say how it really was, just just for the record. This was not a woke track. This was what people listened to when they hated gay people. And it was like, it's good to have like that influence hovering around and just be like, I want you to know how it really was, okay? Just wanted to let you know that. So, so I didn't say it was forward-thinking and woke. I said, you can read it in this particular way and also these two men are in love with each other i mean that was that was yeah that was the idea behind it that was the idea behind the conversation but it was also like you know you can't yes you can read into it but here's how it played out in practice and it was not so woke so i could imagine why like a song like the george michael cover faith would come across as you know and maybe he did you know what he kind of did like play into that because then later on he's like hey when i came at the that gay guy, that was a big hit for us. Let's make this entire song about how me and you, Jonathan, are gay for each other. I don't think that's necessarily how that came together, but you can imagine what if it how... was, though. He was in the Navy. He was in the Navy, yeah. Yeah, whatever that's the, true. Whatever the hell. Okay, also, I looked it up. Did this surprise you that Durst was both in the Navy and raised by a cop? I mean, no. I, I feel like that explains no. a whole lot, if you know that background. <laughs> I mean, he's like... I mean, he's a lot cooler than that would suggest, if that's what you mean by that. <laughs> I, I think he did. It, he did drop out of the navy, which is objectively the coolest thing you can do. Being in the navy is quit. So, well, killing you know. Osama bin Laden was pretty dope, but like second coolest you know thing, what? dropping you know out to biscuit. You know what? Compromising <laughs> to a permanent end. That I probably think. is the coolest thing you could do in the as, navy. As announced by one Jonathan Cena. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I looked it up. There's a year and a half gap between the release of the album and it debuting on TRL. Got it. So you were there. You're day one. You were day one. You were right on time. Yeah, well, and again, this I, isn't I, I, this isn't like hipster credibility. It's it's context, right? Which is like I heard this not knowing the name of the band, the name of the song, what the fuck new metal was, right? I just knew how it made me feel as an 11 year old who played guitar for six months or however long I've been playing, and I was like, I want to make this sound going forward. I mean, right? let's, like, let's talk. Can we talk about the guitar sounds on this record? Like yeah. that's the other thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, the gets, guitars are amazing yes. on this. Borland's guitar so player heavy. Is I think, wild. 
I think a lot about how Westmoreland is an avant-garde jazz musician. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. this is like. Did you hear Big Dumb Face? Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, no, it just like is point. true. Like that is his training, yeah, um, is. and like that is the world that he comes from. And like as as someone who works in theater and like comes from a like an avant-garde performance art frame of reference, isn't John Otto also a jazz guy? I think so. I think he's a jazz guy. Um, it's like, oh yeah, that's what makes Limp Bizkit make sense. Is they, like they're they're, they're not dumb. They're not yeah. dumb, and they don't not know music. I mean, I they're think they're they're specific. They're four fifths not dumb. Very well. <laughs> Who's the dumb one? DJ Lethal's not dumb. It rhymes with them. Ned Worst. None of them are dumb. Red Durst he is, is a smart businessman, but he has he no. has the lyrical composition of a, a second grader. He what is, else uh, would these lyrics? Oh, so no. these lyrics could have been better. Like, how could these lyrics have been improved? Did they need to bring okay. Bob Dylan when he to says, take a swing all, at these? All I wanted was a Pepsi, just a fucking Pepsi. Now I'm suicidal. Like. <laughs> I felt that. You know that's a reference, right? I'm just checking. I, I do not know that you that's, know, a that's, that's a reference. That's a huge no, I, reference. That's a I suicidal tendencies reference. reference. Sorry, God damn you... it, Riv! Embarrassing us in front of our guests. How did you not know that was a reference? Because Nobody thought... loves me. I'm just going to go eat worms. I... Well, okay, because that I knew was a re- like just okay. a thing people say. But ah, I, sorry, it was within <laughs> the realm of possibilities to me. I'd put him a step above Drake said. lyrically. But <laughs> you know what else is funny? I actually just spotted this. The Corey Taylor talked once about how this album was an influence on their Slipknot's debut album, which is like interesting. That I gotta look sense. into the. I gotta look at who Ross Robinson later. also produced. Yeah, that, yeah. And Ross Robinson the beef right after. In this same year, he does Adrenaline. I invited him. That makes I in, sense. I invited him to the holiday party, and he texted me. He's like, "If I'm in town, I'll be there." And I've been tripping nervous thinking about all of the songs I do not want to play in front of Ross Robinson. Like, do you know how badly I do not want to play like Evanescence or Lincoln Park for Ross fucking Robinson? Like, hey, Ross Robinson's here. Now here's a song by P.O.D. Like, here's all this shit. Here's all this shit that you hate that you produced. Like, oh man, that you, that you're responsible for creating. Ross Robinson's going to show up. We are not playing any of that. New Metal stops with the Slipknot self-titled if Ross Robinson walks in that door. Speaking speaking of being responsible for other artists, another amazing thing about Fred Durst that, again, I think sort of gets forgotten is that Interscope makes him a VP of A&R, and he basically writes the Interscope roster at the end of the 90s. Like, seven, eight major bands, about half of them in the New Metal scene, come from him personally finding them and recruiting them and putting he was he his ear was so just like anyone would be lucky to sign stained and do six million copies sold but to also sign puddle of mud a terrible fucking band and ring a triple platinum debut out of them that's insane Bro, hey, he listen. was he was batting from the he was batting he saw, crazy he saw the hole in the market i mean he did biscuit he did. and said i know to get to fill this hole you're lucky because if zach had been about five minutes earlier uh, or five minutes later on that email i would have responded first and said we should talk about come clean oh that would have been something i hate or pressure four or five i would i would have done pressure four or five you'd have been this would have been one dry ass episode because if it just been me and you talking about that 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 mediocre album but i would have loved to have talked about that one do you like come clean by puddle of mud I, I don't like it as a as a whole album, but I do again. I so grandfather and I might be similar ages. I don't know how how older how much older you are. Uh, I'm seventy two. Eight puddle of seventy two. Okay, so I'm seventy one. So we're like we probably remember the same cool shit. No, I'm, I'm forty one. 
Uh, okay, so I'm 40. So we our experiences will be similar. So yeah. press I like record, blurry. I yeah, blurry was great. There it goes. And yeah. a lot of that record is pretty good. Now, did we cover any of it at uh at Louisville Loves New Metal? No. And I wish we had. I was pro- a big proponent. Blurry of was on the list. It, it just, nobody wants to do that guitar. No one picked part. it. Nobody wants no to do that guitar it. part live. That's fair. Well, that's on them. Yeah, my problem with a band like Puddle of Mud is I don't like to hear white guys talk about sex the way they do. No, yeah, I, I'm with you. So with the song Control, Control to me is a very, very brave song because rarely do ugly people get to write songs about having ugly, nasty sex with each other. <laughs> like so much of popular music is dedicated to beautiful people, you know, being like, I want to sex you up and stuff like that. That song is like, I want us to have the nastiest, grossest post Buffalo Wild Wings smash in my trailer. <laughs> I want to You're take so the right, most romantic but... drunk drive home with you. On I eighty five, and I want to. We're gonna fuck you we're gonna raw. same sit at a booth in Applebee's and finger each other from the back. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna Listen. slide my foot up your dress. The thing about Puddle of Mud too is Over that Dollaritas. they they willfully centered this band around Wes. Like that was the whole plan. They that's you know famously they fire the band and then build a bunch of studio guys to be Puddle of Mud with Wes at the center. So someone I, just someone just said to me on Twitter the other day, someone was like, man, I wonder why these guys weren't even bigger. They deserve to be even bigger. I'm like, they deserve to be so much smaller. <laughs> <laughs> if Kurt Cobain had not put a hole in the back of his head, you had no idea who this band is. Like that is this, they did not deserve any of this shit. Are you kidding no, me? You should they have been, you know should they have been Actually, called Puddle of Blood? Yeah, I'm, I guess so. I'm Ooh. with this person on Twitter because I think if they made it as far as they did. They they exceeded, they exceeded all expectations. Yeah, Kirk, I think you know that perfectly when we talked to Eve Six. You said that Wes Scantlin wanted to be a rock star after it was okay to be a rock star. Oh yeah, he did. He wanted to be a rock because his his idea of rock star was very like 1993-esque. And then like he like blew up. And then I think he imagined like I'm gonna have this career. No. You had an album, and I hope that you put some of that money in a trust. He did not. He definitely did <laughs> what not. Was the second record? No what was the second record called? I want to see if anybody remembers. I bet it was called Famous. N slash A. It came out. I bet it was called like Famous Now or like Famous Guy. No, it had a single. There was a, there was a song. What was, was the album called? I, 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 Mud I, is thicker than water. It's it literally called, just totally called like super life on display, but the third one was called Ooh. famous. Oh, was it? So the third one, he's like, he's like, shit, I better hurry up with it. And let people remind people, remind people. That's like, he's when just the manifesting singer... like every album. The next one's like rich. And then the next album's like out of debt. He's, just, <laughs> <laughs> he's like custody of my children is like, there's no more alimony. <laughs> Remarried. Fred returns my calls. I hair plugs. That's like when um that's like that's when, a um, good one. I always I always I always this line always kills me when the in the song uh the way you like it by Edema when the lead Edema goes uh feelings change the fame remains. No it didn't. <laughs> it extremely <laughs> did not. The fame did not remain, buddy. It was barely there. So they really I always think that they like were on the Vampire Diaries soundtrack. They weren't. They just have that vibe of like Give it up, man. Give it up to aspirationally talentless new metal dudes. <laughs> Only in this genre could you have been so bad at your instrument but and done so what much. were they what were they all doing? 
they were all copying the Fred Durst copy of hip hop uh, yeah, bravado. Like we just, angst, we just beef. Like I'm number one. Ourselves. I'm the best. Fuck you. Fuck the haters. If I pretend that I have haters for long enough, maybe I will have some because I'm successful finally. I mean, like, and arguably, say what you want about Puddle of Mud, but they spawned imitators too. I mean, Hinder? Hinder is just Puddle of oh Mud. Oh my again, God. Right? Yeah. What a, what a, Rock deserved to die. If we were Speaking doing, if we were doing the next, sex. I we were doing, if we were doing the next Puddle Bob of Muds. Oh, Three Days man. Grace. Wow, I'm not nostalgic about New Metal is, anymore. That's a different this is bucket. the end of that's the New Metal the agenda. Bucket. This is the end of the new metal agenda. Suddenly I'm like, yeah, fuck all this. This music Wait, sucked. Three Days Grace was the youth group bucket? Tell me more about this. No, 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 no. You're, I have a stuff. I still have a little stuff. Kirk, knows. This is post grunge. Calm down. No, no, no. That's post-grunge. what she said. She said. No, I said that. Yeah, yeah. No. Three, day, three Days that. Grace. Am I wrong? Yes. I no, they were, wrong. they were not. A, they had not. Like, let me just tell you. I am a reformed uh, former. You're thinking of Yeah, no, so am I. No, yeah. I know who I'm thinking of. I, I think you're thinking of the right band, but I'm telling you, that's they had the weird quasi-Christian name, uh, but they they were not a Christian band. There were a okay. ton of those though in the new metal scene. So right, right. No, I know. I I also was like youth group AMV's new metal. Um but what I what it was was they would get played on the like oh. Christian rock radio where they would oh like mix God. in. They'd mix in a couple, there'd be like Coldplay would pop Ooh. up and like Three Days Grace would be like in the mix. So then you like get lulled into thinking it's normal music. Did they say so the word? No, they're very like youth group coded. Oh my god, look at all these Veggie Tales AMVs. Why have I never <laughs> looked up Veggie Tales AMVs? Why before? have you never looked this up? How has this never occurred to me? Did you know there's no one has done like new metal veggie tales? And I think that's really a wasted opportunity. Are you sure? So it I'm, seems like somebody yes. had done the hairbrush song. As no, I, I've had this thought so many times and I'm like, so not in any position they, to make this happen other than as, as a new metal influencer. But like, this, if you're listening happened. and you can do this. This happened. You're talking about covers of, uh, you're talking about new metal covers of a veggie tales song. Yeah, fucking skillet did stand up. Yeah, there you go. And I knew it. I knew this happened. I knew they put out a whole album of covers. I knew they put out a whole album of covers. Right. That's the ultimate youth group rock band, right there. Skillet. Skillet. Yeah. And, well, what about, skillet what about Spoken all... and Disciple? Do you remember these mm-hmm. bands? I don't remember Spoken. I don't think I remember Disciple. I looked for Spoken. But like, all of, all today. of Skillet's songs are cover songs. <laughs> In well, a way, the in first their time way, I yes. heard the name Skillet. I just assumed they were a joke band like Psycho Stick. And, they and are. then I come to find yeah. out they're they're a super hardcore conservative Christian new metal band. No, my favorite Skillet song, "Animal I Have Become" by Three Days Grace. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so the first Skillet record was a straight up ripoff of uh, of Nevermind. Like yeah. the whole, and it had a Skillet on the front of it, and it was all straight up. Mid nineties grunge was the first and, single. Smells like the Holy Spirit. Yes, exactly. You got it. <laughs> I set you up for that, and you nailed it. Congratulations! <laughs> and they still had the like baby Jesus. penis on the cover. <laughs> but he was on but the. Cover. I got like a, a fig leaf. <laughs> fig leaf, circumcision, both great punches. <laughs> so oh. I think that three dollar bill, y'all, not their best because I think that significant other is their best album because it's like. Just that's peak biscuits, peak everything. It's peak everything. It's peak MTV late nineties de- detritus culture, and I love it so much. And uh, but three dollar bill y'all is three dollar bill y'all is really good. I like this album. This is yeah, this is a really good album. 
Yeah, and I, I think I think the important part for for that album for me was it was the I liked rock music because it was heavy, right? Like my favorite band up until that point was Bush, and you know Bush is heavy. Yeah, they're heavy enough, right? Like they're they're not they're not jazz, they're not you know elevator music, right? No, but, they're not. Um, but it was like a level of aggression. <clears throat> there was a level of aggression that like I hadn't really gotten into yet. And if you trace from that point forward, all the bands that I would eventually listen to be in whatever, like, I think that's like a really clear personal inflection point for me of like, oh, I like heavy music, like metal essentially. Right. Like, I, cause I didn't listen to, to be clear, like before that I wasn't listening to Metallica as a kid. I wasn't listening to uh, Iron Maiden, right. Like that kind of like older, you know, seventies, like eighties metal or whatever. I was listening to like beach boys and Motown and Right. So really it was like the offspring and then kind of Bush and like a couple punk bands and stuff like rancid. Like that was about the heaviest stuff I listened to. And then Limp Biscuit was like, Oh no, I like breakdowns and screaming and like, you know, turntable solos and everything, you know, like everything else from that point forward. And so it's like, while I listen to an even wider range of stuff now, like I think that that carved that half of my like brain out in a way that like would make room for Lincoln park and would make room for poison the well. And every time I die and like Dillinger escape plan eventually, you know, like, like a whole subset of bands that I in theory probably would have gotten into eventually anyway. But for me personally, it was like $3 bill y'alls was the first full CD of that style of music where I could just listen to it as a 12 year old primordial, you know, reptilian brain and be like, this is good. <laughs> yeah, what like, is, Cause what is new metal? If not just metal, but for children, no <laughs> new metal is like new metal is even like, the word new it's spelled for children like in you it's like we don't have time to like explain silent letters generation generationally new metal was made by the first generation of kids that was like yeah the only good metallica song is enter sandman like it was that was that was really was the approach being like, taken there being a teenager had been invented and like really solidified into a, a thing and so yeah, like all teenagers you know what's crazy all teenagers did in the 80s i didn't even know this until i looked into it they just Smoke did a lot of dr and drink yep just jump right ahead of me you I'm do so the punchline. what i'll do is this i'll set up a joke and you just take the punchline out of the end of it and then we'll just circumcision so i think what we should do here though is we wrap this up right we should all go around the room and thank me i think what we should do to wrap this up though is i would like for our guests zach and brian to Talk, tell us about the event that's coming up there one more time. Sure. So the most recent event that is coming up or the recent, that's not the right word. The next closest? event. Next. Closest. Sure. The next event that actually has a date is Louisville Loves Emo Covington, which is on January 13th, Saturday at Madison Live in Covington, Kentucky, which is right outside Cincinnati. It'll be super fun. 30 of your favorite uh, emo hits played live by real musicians on real instruments. Super, super fun. We have acoustic sets. We have full bands. We even have DJ sets in between and before the show. Um, but we will do Louisville Loves New Metal again next year. We just haven't announced the date yet. And we think it'll be a little bit earlier in the year. Last year, it was in August. We think we're going to do it earlier in the summer. Please. Um, so stay tuned for that. Dying. Um, <laughs> Dying. And what I'd what I'd like to put out to your audience, if they are into it, is uh, solicitations for songs in the set list. So if you think 
If you think you have some good suggestions of songs and you want to hit up our account at Louisville Loves Emo, be like, y'all need to play X, Y, Z. We we build the set list and we take feedback from participants and ourselves and randos and everyone in between. So if you have any songs you want to hear, flood this man's inbox with a lot of boo emo, no more emo. Schedule that new metal show. When's it happening, Zach? When's it happening? Yes. We need a lot more of that pressure. <laughs> try, they, try to get us to cancel it. That would be. They, I would put all my energy into that. If I the were new metal. So that was that was your first new metal event. New metal events yep. historically, like new metal events around the country, even really well funded ones, have struggled uh, to to pack that place. That that place. You had that bitch rocking. There was like seven hundred yep. people there, right? We did yeah, very it was well. Like, it was a yeah. it was a new audience. It was not an overlap, even though you know we know a lot of people in the scene because of it was Duke. amazing that oh, was, yeah, the it was, most, it was a new audience for that us, was the right? most amount of people i've ever seen at like a specific new metal event doing this ever it was it was fucking packed it was right yeah, away right and, the door. so i'm telling you guys right now if you are in that if you're anywhere in that tri-county area and you can make it to this the emo one they're doing is that a gun what is that down there yeah, that you were just holding oh my a, god it's a lap I was it's like, a laptop f- stand. I thought he was like, just... had a shotgun going down there. I was like, I'm wrapping it up. Okay. And uh, so by the way, <laughs> nice. um, I'm in Texas, but you know, I'm not that Texas. Not that Texas. You never know. So if you're anywhere in the Tri-County area, though, I'm going to highly recommend you go to Louisville Loves Emo. I was out there for the new model show and it blew me away. The professionalism, the talent on display. Shit was rocking. And I cannot wait to get back there again. I might just have to learn how to DJ emo stuff, you know, because I, I can't. You, you proved yourself very valuable that night. One of one of our favorite moments, I think I speak for Zach when I say this, was when uh, we had an acoustic performer doing uh, Outside and all of a sudden, to bring it back, to, to end talking about Limp Biscuit, you came out and did the Fred Durst part and that was not planned and you nailed it and everybody in the venue and Zach and I looked at each other and we're like, this was a good choice. I'm glad yes. we, I'm glad oh we brought God. Kurt to the yeah. party. <laughs> That's I'm awesome glad we explained because, to this guy. Because I remember yeah, being so I remember being so sensitive, like shit, should I have not done that? Cause I don't want to be that diva. But okay, great. I'm really glad that worked out great. So I cannot wait for the next one of those. Seriously, my highest endorsement to these guys, Louisville loves emo coming That's very soon. One. Uh and uh I'd like to thank my co-host Riviera. I'd like to thank my co-host grandfather for making it on to this one. Uh, and by the way, if you live in Los Angeles, come to my show. Maybe come to my show as well. That would be awesome. So that's uh, this won't be out before the show. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, this has been Holly Kirk with the New Metal Agenda. Just reminding you guys, everyone at home, always be platforming and supporting local events. These events are, you know, we 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 put a lot of effort into these. And I don't know if I can speak on Zach's behalf. I can certainly say on mine. We don't tend to make a shitload of money off these, but we love doing them. This is like a very honest way to to do anything that generates money for anybody is just being able to like get together and enjoy music. So if you have the opportunity to come out to one of these events, go to the event, buy a t-shirt, buy a hat, have, have a blast and uh, I'll see you guys soon enough and have yourselves a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Damn. Last episode before the new year, huh? Yeah. All right. Merry yes. Christmas, Happy new year, everybody. And mm-hmm. uh, good night.